With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside FM allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. We are back after a little break um, for us and for the players, international break that was for some World Cup qualifiers. Um, Alex has some stuff on that. I have some stuff about the Chelsea Women, Chelsea Academy. Chelsea Women, they uh, go past the quarterfinals of the uh, Champions League. So that is very exciting. Um, And I'm excited to get into it here. First episode since March 25th. So we took about a week off. And we're back, and we have a special guest. We have a lot to talk about. Um, but let's first, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start it with the Chelsea woman. Uh, in the first leg against VFL Wolfsburg, which I actually just figured out a few days ago, that they are basically the Bayern Munich of women's football. They lost in the Champions League last season in the finals. Um, and Chelsea women were able to go out there uh, in the first the first match and win 2-1 in the first leg. It was one goal for Sam Kerr, one goal for Harder, and then they came back um, and won in the Women's Super League 2-0 to Aston Villa. That was uh, two goals for Sam Kerr. Um, and then Chelsea Women, they are first in the Women's Super League with 47 points or two points ahead of Manchester United. Then they come out again in the second leg of, of, of um, this Champions League matchup against Wolfsburg, and they score three goals. They win it 3-0 in the second leg. Unbelievable performance by the Chelsea women. Uh, it ended with the aggregate score of 5-1 uh, Chelsea up. So then they go to the semifinals of the Champions League. They're also going to be facing the Birmingham women on Sunday, so be looking forward to that. But just what a performance. Um, Sam Kerr played very well. And Sam Kerr, I was basically like the leader for the team. Obviously, you have Fran Kirby, who's always been pretty good for Chelsea, uh, for the Chelsea woman. I think she scored a goal in that uh, second leg um, game. 
but just an all-around great performance by the Chelsea woman. And then you have the Chelsea Academy. Um, they're going to be facing West Ham next Tuesday, uh, April 6th. They're fourth in the PL2, the 51 points. Um, but I just want to start off with the Chelsea woman and say how good they played uh, in that Champions League matchup against Wolfsburg. If you guys have anything to touch on that, uh, you can. I know Alex has some stuff with the international break, so if you want to go to that first, you can. But, I mean, first of all, let's address how you guys are doing. I want to ask, how, how, how are you two doing? I'm excited to finally be able to watch. Well, I can't say watch soccer again because obviously there's been games during the international break break but i don't think uh I'd, i can't watch many of those games because i don't think it's very interesting to watch belgium or the netherlands one of those two beat gibraltar 8-0 Ooh, just what i wanted to watch on monday no i want to watch premier league Serie A, bundesliga specifically chelsea you are finally going to be back i mean it's it's weird because it feels like it's been so long since we like recorded one like this but it's only been like two weeks, a week and a half-ish, which is weird. But hey, finally back, ready to get back into it. Ready to hopefully, hopefully beat West Brown. I'm doing good as well. Um, Obviously, I've been tasked with the international break news real quick. So before we get back into Chelsea things, let's see how Chelsea players did over international break. Kai Havertz got a goal and then two assists for Germany. Obviously, Germany having a shocking international break, losing to North Macedonia. And part of the reason that was because Timo Werner had a shocking miss. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to pretend like it never happened. And he also got an assist um, in uh, his break for Germany as well. So maybe a little bit of of, an, uh, of a positive there. England did very well over this international break as well. Uh, ben Chilwell, Reese James, Mason Mount all were very much involved. Chilwell got an assist. James got an assist. And Mount scored two goals. And Captain America... Uh, played for America, and he scored a goal um, in a U.S. victory as well. So pretty much everyone doing very well this international break, except for Timo Werner. (laughs) I mean, do we have to touch on it, though? Um, United States will miss out on the Olympics after a loss to Honduras. Um, I mean, do we we even talk about it, guys? Like, I don't even know. I mean, I guess we do because I just mentioned it, but it's like, it's tough. It is it is tough being you know into football and your own national team is not able to beat countries that have very much smaller populations. Which I'm not going to give an excuse. It's just sad to watch. Um, obviously, you know we're made fun of by every other country because we call it soccer or because you know we're not good. Obviously, our national team is not good. But just to mention out on another you know miss out in the World Cup for the first time in a while in in 2016. Um, and then like to, with the loss of Trinidad and Tobago and then to lose to Honduras and just miss out on another big stage um, like the Olympics is obviously not as big to, to football as the World Cup is, right? That, that's a completely another level, I would have to say. But just to miss out on another big uh, like thing like that, it's just tough. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I don't want to go into detail because I can say like so much stuff and I can get very mad about the state of our, I mean, our state of our soccer team, football team, whichever. I mean, I can go into so much detail, but I don't want to because this isn't like a U.S. soccer, it's a Chelsea podcast. But the grand, I'll just say this, and the grand scheme of things is just it all stems from the fact that as someone that plays soccer and has played soccer as a kid from like six or seven, 
so many people stop playing or don't play because it's so inaccessible. It's so expensive and it's so hard to get on the clubs. And so, which means so many kids that are, are like much, much more talented than me aren't on teams when they could be. And that affects basically everything because then those talented kids don't ever actually get to fulfill their potential. So they don't get to play for us, which means we have less talent than like any, basically any European team. But like I said, this is a Chelsea podcast, not a U.S. soccer podcast. So I will move on. Yeah, it's definitely sad to see. Um, you know, I, that's been a problem here. Whatever. I, I just I don't like talking about the U.S. national team. It makes me upset. Like Peter said, this is a Chelsea podcast, so we'll get right into the next Chelsea game here, which will be Saturday, 7.30 Eastern time uh, here in the U.S., way too early in the morning. They need to really move the games. Uh, that'll be 12.30 uh, East, uh, 12.30 UK time for everyone uh, in the UK. Um, West Brom, obviously, are in second to last place in the Premier League. They are not a good team. We should be beating them quite handedly, um, and hopefully we will. Um, and, you know, this is an important match. It's our first match before, uh, after international break, and obviously we're going to have Porto uh, the following week as well, so that's going to be important that we are focused for that match so we can hopefully get to the Champions League semifinals. Um, and I guess besides that, we'll get right into our lineups. For me, I have Mendy and Goal, Aspi, Christensen, Rudiger, um, the back three that we've been seeing most often. I don't think Thiago Silva will be coming back. You may see him come on as a sub, um, and I think hopefully he will be back for that Porto game, which is definitely going to be a much more important game. So this is what I'm going to do here. I have a 3 4 2 one um, and, and I do have to say, Alex, though, it is it is tough going into this game against Porto with a loss. As, you know, we can completely wipe it from our minds. We draw or lose to West Brom, which, like you said, this should be an easy win. But if we do one of those two things, it's I feel like much tougher for the players to kind of snap out of that, that we just lost to a team in the bottom half of the table uh, and then just go right into Champions League mode, you know, in this Champions League match against Porto in the, in the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals, right? So... Focus on this game, obviously, yes, but let's just get a win. Get a win, knock it out, boom, done, right? Get get a 2-0, 3-0 win. I don't know what my score prediction is going to be, probably around there. Um, but I'll go to my back line. Um, Mendy and Ned, obviously. Christensen, Rudiger, Asby uh, in the back for me. I mean, I pretty much agree with what you guys are saying. That we Basically, we really need a win here, a convincing win. Get back into the flow of playing with clubs, like playing with their teams, so their nations, back to chemistry. But there's a question on Dugo now. It's if he thinks that everyone that played during the international break is needs a rest. Because obviously, if they need, if they're tired and they need a rest, it's much more important that we save them against Porto than against West Brom. But like you're saying, if we rest these players and then don't win and we get a draw or a loss going into that game, that can also be bad. So there's a 50-50 here, and I think... I think it's going to come in as a factor as you go more towards attacking players, but I don't think I think the back will remain solid. I think it's going to be Mendy at the back, but I do think we will see Thiago Silva start this game as kind of a way to see his fitness level before an important game against Porto, where we could see him again if he feels fine. People are saying he's fully fit, so I think we will see Thiago Silva as one of the center backs. I think we will see Andreas Christensen as one of the center backs. I think we will see Antonio Rudiger as one of the center backs. 
If they don't think Silva's fully fit, I don't think they should start him in this game. But if they think that he is, this could be one of the best games we have to test him, especially before an important game where he could start. And to move into my four across the middle, obviously I'll start with right back. Kalamatsun Ador picked up a knock over international break. I don't think he'll start. Uh, Reese James will be there. He got obviously got an assist. He played pretty well in the game he started. Across the middle, Conte also picked up a knock. Knock and Jorginho is a doubt, so I think Kovacic will obviously have to be in there. And this could be a spot where we kind of decide to switch it up a bit and maybe move someone like Mason Mount or Kai Havertz into a kind of like uh role where they go up and down and they're more it's a more attacking midfield. And against a team like West Brom, this wouldn't be that big of a deal. But I think that we're going to have Billy Gilmore in there. He obviously played well when he started against Sheffield. I think he starts here again. But we could see, we could see something change where maybe Mount uh, goes in there or something like that. And obviously on the left, I think, I think Ben Chilwell. He obviously did play for England a couple times, so I think Marcus Alonso will be in there and kind of can give Ben Chilwell a rest for maybe the game against Porto. So for me, moving into my midfield, I'm going to have Reese James at right wing back. Kovacic and Mount in that center of midfield, like you said, Peter. I think someone's going to have to move uh, maybe a little bit deeper, and I think that will be Mason Mount. He'll be sitting along Kov- uh, alongside Kovacic, and Ben Chilwell I'll have at left wing back. Up front, front three, Timo Werner, I think he's on bad form. I think he's going to come off the bench here. Uh, my front three is going to be Christian Pulisic, Olivier Giroud, and Kai Havertz. Um, all players who are in very good form at the moment. Uh, so hopefully they do well up front. Very similar lineups, Alex, between the two of us. Both, uh, we all three agree, actually, about the Mount uh, in the midfield or the Havertz, whatever you want to call it. But one of them is going to become a holding midfielder or Peter, like you said, move up and down, basically. Um, my four in the middle, Alonso, Mount, Kovacic, James, three up front. I think it's the same as Alex. Um, it is going to be Kai Havertz. Christian Pulisic, and Olivier Giroud. Timo Werner, I don't want to see him play. I've been a very big hater since we signed Timo Werner and he started playing. So I wouldn't say it's... I don't like that he's unsuccessful, but it kind of helps my case when he is unsuccessful and missing a wide-open chance like we've seen him before do that with Germany. I don't want him starting. Um, And I'll let Peter go, and then we'll we'll give our score predictions. I'm not going to comment on anything you said there, Josh, because I, I, I have... I've forced my opinions many times before while we were recording, but I will not say anything again. I'll just say my front three. I think Hakim Ziyech has to be in there. He's performed very well for the past three games for the club. I think he'll be in there. I think Kai Havertz, who's in very good form, also needs to be in there, which leaves one spot. And I, But I don't think I... As much as I am a big team awareness supporter, I think, I mean, he's still created pretty much has the most assists and has still scored. It's not like he hasn't been scoring. He's just out of form. But I, I, he might start because against a West Brom team, this could be, a, I mean, I, we've said it many, many times in many, many games. We say the same thing. This could be the game where he gets his form back. And maybe it is, but I don't, after a good game against Sheffield and scoring a goal for international duty, I think Christian Pulisic also has to be in there. But, I definitely think Timo Werner should come on at some point, kind of like he did for Germany, where he comes on in like the 60, 70th minute as a sub to inject some pace and deck some change here if we're not scoring or if we are scoring and 
it'd be a good game where you can see he comes on, scores a goal, maybe gets another assist, and starts to work his way back. But I think Pulisic, Ziyech, Havertz will be the front three. I think we definitely could see Olivier Giroud. We definitely could see Tammy Abraham, perhaps. I think he has been said to be fully fit. But against the West Brom team that's struggling, I think basically no matter who we put in the front three, we should win this game pretty comfortably. I think it'll be... I think it'll be 2-0 because I think two goals is like the maximum we can score with two goals as our manager, apparently. So for me, I'm going to go 2-0 um, as well. Peter, I, I don't see us scoring more than two goals. I, I don't think West Brom scores on us. 2-0, Kai Havertz goal, Olivier Giroud goal. That's my prediction. We all have the same score prediction. That's pretty interesting. 2-0 win for Chelsea. I have that as well against West Brom. And we look forward towards the game against FC Porto. We will have an episode out, uh, obviously, before the game against Porto. It's going to be a big one. Um, we'll, we'll be able to talk about it. But this episode is not over yet as we have a guest, Craigos, coming on. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk with him about Chelsea and some other stuff. We will see you in a second for that interview. Here we go. We are back and Craigo is joining us. We are very excited to welcome him onto the program or the podcast, whatever you want to call it. Go subscribe to him on YouTube at Craigo28Football and then obviously on Twitter as well. Follow him um, at the Craigo28. And then obviously, I think your biggest presence is on TikTok, which is uh, pretty cool. 180,000 yeah. yeah. followers there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just underneath it now. I've oh, really? I, I posted a bad video, and all of a sudden I'm just underneath. Yeah. Oh. So it's really annoying. I've oh, had to change come it. On. The toxic. <laughs> I mean, that's. I know. It's that, that's. I guess that's what you're risking. You go on TikTok, you're gonna find the people who are mostly toxic. Wow. So I'm looking at it right now. One seventy nine points. We'll get everyone who's listening. If you have a TikTok, please yeah. at Craigo twenty eight. Get him back up there to one hundred eighty thousand followers on TikTok, and that would be great. Uh, Craig, I'll ask you right now, how are you doing? Um, I guess since you're in the UK this afternoon. Yeah, I, I'm all right. I'm all good here in London. Yeah, all fine. Um, it's hot for once, so it's quite nice weather, actually, for uh, once in our lives. It's been nuts. I'm in shorts, which is brilliant. So what did you post on TikTok that uh, got so much hate? I'm, I'm interested now. Do you know what? Football stickers. That, that is what it oh. is. It's football stickers. Uh, one video, I did football stickers. and went, oh, everyone, no, don't like that. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> So people would unfollow you for that? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, to be fair, because my audience on TikTok, I did a lot of music-based stuff. And then, obviously, football is different to music. So people go, oh, I don't like football, and they just get rid of it. But uh, I, think it, I, don't, I think it's a little bit harsh. I think it's a little bit harsh. Yeah, but... I, I would agree. Yeah, I don't Definitely. know. Definitely. Weirdos I there. think, was it the Euro ones? Because I think, Alex, you said you collected them when you uh, – or you used to collect them. Yeah, we, like – football football stickers like the, yeah, the, the yeah sticker do you have like the sticker book or whatever oh yeah completely yeah, uh, yeah i've got okay, it all okay yep i, I used I, to collect all of them see i had this really weird kind of thought that the sticker books have been around for so long and i've never actually finished one so i was like oh i can't I'm, I'm 23 years of age now i've got a little bit of money to throw away here i'm not asking my mom and dad for stickers anymore so i'm like yeah so i'm gonna do it why not <laughs> Yeah, for me, I actually had, I still have my 2014 World Cup sticker book or whatever Oh, what that a was. terrible, terrible World Cup that was. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> but for me, it's annoying because I have one sticker. 
left and I can't find it anywhere. Like I, it's full complete except for one sticker. I've been looking for years on eBay. I'm looking, I'm trying to find it. Can't get who it. Who is it? Is, any, is anyone good? I don't, I don't even know who it is. I think it was one, it's one of the Iranian players, I believe. I, I was going to say it's some like rubbish, terrible yeah, player. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not like Mbappe, is it? Or not Mbappe, no. but like, <laughs> yeah, like Mario Gertz is going to pop up out of nowhere going, oh yeah, I need one of them. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, so that, that sucks, but whatever. We're not going to talk about my sticker woes. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Um, I guess we'll get to international break a little bit. Obviously you're an England supporter. You post on it on, you know, on the YouTube, on the Twitter. Um, I guess just your thoughts on this pretty good international break for England. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's nice to get kind of three wins from three. Um, I still don't think we've played that well. Um, and I think if you play like that at the World Cup, or sorry, at the Euros, I should say, you're going to get found out. Um, and, and I don't, I don't, obviously don't want that to happen. Um, but I think, we, I think we've got a really nice crop of young players um, that... You know, it's it's great to see, you know, with the likes of Harry Kane being one of our older players and is still, you know, right in the peak of his career. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a few players that you just kind of, I, I almost look at them and think, thanks for coming, but see you later. You know, like there's there's players that are coming through, you know, Foden, Grealish, Madison, Mount, um, even Trent Alexander-Arnold, Saka. We've got a lot of youngsters and I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, you need a little bit of experience, but I prefer us to just play these youngsters. So next, well, I mean, next December or whenever it is, um, when the next World Cup is, we can have all these players in starting to get into the prime of their career, having already played in a major tournament. But I kind of feel like certain players, it's just like, I don't know why you're, why you're being included, why you're going kind of thing. You know, I just think it was a little bit too negative and a little bit too... Um, samey i suppose and again samey makes you very easy to play against yeah and you know i know there's tons of england fans i i follow england pretty closely obviously being a chelsea fan gareth southgate uh gareth south southgate sorry mm. can't pronounce his name half the time um thoughts on him because i know there's lots of england supporters who just can't stand him whatsoever i like him honestly i do like him and he's not the perfect manager of course he's not but there, it's very hard in international football to get the perfect manager. Um, I mean, you aren't going to go and find the like of, you know, a Guardiola or a Mourinho. That's that's not international football. Um, more often than not, you've got former players of these countries that are doing jobs. Um, I mean, you look at uh, Scolari was really, really good with, I think it was Brazil, obviously, you know, a little bit different connection, but he played for, he managed Brazil. I'm pretty sure they won the World Cup with him. But then he came to Chelsea and did nothing. You know, like certain managers are suited to international football and certain ones aren't. Um, so I see a lot of these names getting thrown around. And, and I do look at it and think there's no guarantee that this person is going to be better. So is there? Re- is it really worth taking a risk to try and improve it? I don't know. I, I don't think Southgate should get sacked before the tournament. I don't think he will. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think... Again, we've got three out of three from the qualification campaign. Um, and he's had one tournament with us. Managers tend to normally get two, you know, in a two-year spell or whatever. But I don't know. You know, maybe we get something a little bit different out of him. But I, I just want to see us play a little bit more, you know, uh, free-flowing attacking football. Because if we do that and we get absolutely ripped apart, then I think everyone is like, okay, well, at least we tried. But at the moment, when we're playing this defensive style, and Southgate's in charge, it's just constantly adding to the negative that 
Southgate's not the one. But in terms of how close England have been to winning a major tournament, Gareth Southgate was in charge when that happened. We made it to the semi-final, you know, and, and, and very easily could have made it to the final. But everyone seems to forget about what happened, you know, two and a half, three years ago. So I, I think it's tough, but I wouldn't sack him. Not not for me. I mean, I think you already mentioned this, but is who is your favorite player on England? Is it Harry Kane? No, not at all. Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't really know. Um, my probably favorite English player at the moment is James Madison. Um, I, I really, I'm a really, really big fan of his. I just, I love the way he manipulate, manipulates the ball and moves it, and the way that he attacks with pace and precision as well. Um, I see a lot of people saying that he's not even going to go to the uh, to the Euros, which is mind blowing to me. Um, but yeah, no, there's a few players. There's no one that really stands out. I mean, everyone knows I love Mason Mount, but, um, you know, for to be fair, in this international break, he's been really good for England. But, um, you know, he's still young. I mean, he's played probably single-figure games for England, maybe 10, and he scored a fair few goals. So uh, it's nice to see, but no one really stands out as, like, the guy. I know a lot of people fear Harry Kane, but... Harry Kane is one of a few players, older players, is actually still pulling their weight. Like Even the likes of Sterling have been 50-50 in the last couple of games for England. I mean, Sterling, for me, other than winning the penalty last night, didn't really do anything for England in this international break, yet he played pretty much every game. So, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it, it's not a perfect situation, but it, maybe that is what actually helps us. It's not like Sweden, they've only got Ibrahimovic and that's it. You know, it's quite nice to have a, a debate about who your favorite player is because it means that there's multiple that have got quality. So I just have a quick follow-up to that because obviously, you know, being fans of the U.S. men's national team, and we talked about it a little bit before, um, you know, mm. recording that. And, and we mentioned in the episode in the intro that they weren't able to even qualify for the Olympics, but we're not able to have the same thing. Um, obviously, in the Premier League, there's a lot of players from England. So how does that work, the connection? Obviously, it's two different things, right? Um, with the the national teams and then with the mm. Premier League. But if it's like, you know, Madison is thriving and you just have, you know, you're a Chelsea supporter, do you root for them when they're in the Premier League? Or it's just like, I hate them, I hate them, I hate them. Oh, it's World Cup qualifiers. No. Let's go. You know, play the best football uh, you can. Yeah, I, I think, I, I mean, I'm one of these people, like with Jose Marino is a really good example of this as well. I like Jose a lot, but obviously he's manager of Spurs. So I will wish him all the luck in the world. But when he's playing against Chelsea and when it's something involving Chelsea, I'm hoping for him to lose. <laughs> you know, same thing with, um, to be fair, Vardy for years. Um, Vardy was really easy to root for because Leicester weren't the side that they are now. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, go on, mate. I mean, when they won the league, it was really easy to root for Vardy because Chelsea were right down, you know, mid-table. Um, so when it kind of impacts your team, uh, the allegiance to him being or any player being English just goes out of mm. the window. Um, the only one I would say anything different, I mean, at bigger clubs, you know, you kind of hope Rashford doesn't play well or that Kane doesn't score five goals a game or or whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like, uh, oh, I really hope this this person does well, you know, like even though, you know, we play him next or whatever, it it just goes out the window. And when it's, it's when it involves your team, but any other week, I think it's just kind of like, well, you know, get on with it kind of thing. It doesn't really make that much of a difference on my life, which is why a lot of players like players like James Ward-Prowse, because he's a mid-table guy who he might have done something against your club previously, but, you know, he's he's just a good player and he's, he's not going to cost your team 
something big. He's never going to be the guy that's annoyed you. Um, but again, this is for bigger clubs. Maybe it's different for, you know, a, a Brighton fan. Obviously, Brighton and Southampton quite close to each other, a little bit of a local derby. So, uh, yeah, maybe it's a little bit different. But I, it's not like a, we hope everyone does well every single week, you know, because, again, a lot of people, we all going, oh, yeah, we support England, get in, it's all fun. How many people on Twitter are, tw- are tweeting at the moment? Get Premier League football back. Mm. Just it's good, but you know, I want I want the proper stuff back. I want to hate Deli Ali. I want to hate Harry Kane. I want to hate all these people. <laughs> you know, which you know, fair enough. Each of their own kind of thing. Yeah, obviously, we don't really have anything like that because well, yeah. we don't really watch. Um, I'm not going to say I watch the MLS. It's just that that's just not good. <laughs> um, um, moving to Chelsea. Timo Werner, we saw what happened over international break. He had yeah. another shocker. What what's the problem? What what do we need to do? Um, I I think you know the, the main thing for me is I think Chelsea have got too many of the same type of player, and I think Timo Werner is one of those. Um, I mean Pulisic, Ziyech, Mount, Werner, um, not necessarily Havertz because he's a bit taller, um. Would have been William and Pedro, to be fair, last year. Smaller, kind of quick, nifty players that are good, but you can only have so many of them in a team. Um, and Liverpool have been found out by that. They've got a lot of brute force, you know, in other areas of the pitch. But now Fabinho has been moved back to centre-half. Their midfield consists of small, 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 and their forward line is small, small, small. And it it becomes very easy to play against. And I think... Timo Werner, I mean, last night's chance, he should have been doing better with it. Um, of course, he should have been doing better with it. But if if you if you are very easy to play against, players like Timo Werner can get kind of marked out and found out in a game. And it's kind of a little bit annoying to, to see him because obviously in a Chelsea shirt, he hasn't been perfect. He's been far from it. Um, but if you can play to his strengths, it, it, it's good. You know, it's nice. And, and it's funny to see that he's played better when he had Havertz with him, someone who's got a little bit of height to his game. So it's, are Chelsea going to whip the ball in the box or are they going to, you know, are they going to do, uh, are they going to play it on the floor? It's that kind of dual threat. Um, but when you've only got small, small and small, you can't play the ball in the air because, you know, Timo Werner's not going to outjump Van Dyke. You know, so we've just got to try and nip in ahead of him. And, and I think just Timo has almost been a and, a, and a few others as well. They've been a, they've been a victim of the system, shall we say. Um, it, we have to play a certain way because of, you know, the height that is in the team, which shouldn't be the case, but it is, unfortunately. So, yeah, he needs to do better. There, it probably is a mental side of things as well that he hasn't quite dealt with the Premier League as well as he'd have liked to. And again, coming over, you know, in a, where's this video going? Am I going to get demonetized or taken down by saying anything? No, you'll, you'll no. be all okay. You're free to say what you want. Oh, no, because pandemic is... Oh. It, I, I, you say that on YouTube, you're getting taken down already. It's, yeah, it's that concrete. Um, but yeah, no, and, I mean, it comes over in a pandemic and, and of course it's it's very different for him. Um, but, you know, I, I've always, especially with, with uh, uh, especially with this season, I'm very much up for giving... Um, giving Timo all the time that he needs for this season. And then next year, I'll make a proper judgment on him. But, you know, players like Pulisic as well, he has some great moments and then he has some really poor ones. Um, and again, it's all of these smaller players that you can probably afford to get one or two, but they need a little bit of height to go with it. And 
team are having to deal with coming over in a pandemic and having about five different players that are exactly the same as him, it makes his life a lot harder, which is a real shame, unfortunately. Yeah, for me, it's kind of... I've talked about this on the podcast constantly, actually. (laughs) I feel like Werner... It, he almost needs to be in like a two striker situation. He needs a tall, a tall man next to yeah. him. Whether that's Tammy Abraham, whether that's Olivier Giroud, whether that's even Kai Havertz, right? He's tall. Mm. Maybe if he can get a little bit more physical, um, you know, he could be a player that could play alongside him. I think that would be the ideal thing there. Kind of him as a false nine and Werner playing yeah. off of him, which we saw against Atletico Madrid, right? That worked out well. So mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my thinking. I don't think you can play him as a lone striker up front in the Premier League. I just don't think it'll work. I think you probably could, again, if you had a tall winger next to him yeah. or a, a tall attacking midfielder, which, to be fair, could be Kai Havertz. But, um, yeah, he has to. I mean, I, Chelsea, we, we can't walk the ball into the net every week, um, regardless of Timo Werner or other people. Um we have to be able to play multiple different ways. And yeah, I I think I probably would agree with you that he maybe needs someone next to him. But, you know, the old school 4-4-2, I suppose, doesn't really exist anymore, you know, as much as probably a lot of old school Brexit football fans would love, you know, a little bit of 4-4-2, bit of brute force. But it doesn't really, it's not really a thing anymore. But to be fair, Germany played it last night and it did not work at all, but they gave it a go. Um yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a very different game to how it was fifteen years ago. And Timo Werner, there's a few players like him that are they're all good players, of course, but maybe the system changes, they have a little bit more success. You've obviously talked about this before, but I do love asking this question to to other Chelsea fans and their opinions on it. The transition from the Chelsea legend of Frank Lampard to now this style of Thomas Tuchel and what he's playing and the success the 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 success that he's had with Chelsea. Um, you know, as a manager, I would say, yeah. compared to the player Frank Lampard with not having uh, as much success with Chelsea. Not saying it was that bad, but obviously we know that when something's when something's wrong, Roman's going to make the change. So it's it is what it is. So just your thoughts on you know the transition yeah. point from Lampard to now Tuchel. Yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of Frank, um, and I, and I think we all should have been as well. I mean, what he's done in terms of the youth players has been brilliant. Um, you know, without Frank, we're not going to have this great youth squad that we do that are all now first team footballers um, that would be in what that are now available to uh, Thomas Tuchel and I mean, whoever comes in afterwards as well. Um, the only thing for me, and, and, and it happens a lot in football, it happens a lot at Chelsea, you get these players that are, you know, they're, they're really happy for five minutes and then all of a sudden something's wrong and then they just stop playing. And that's what I want to avoid. Um, in terms of, you know, I'm not going to name names, but there's a few people in the Chelsea team that I feel their performances towards the end of Frank Lampard's time really, really declined and they could have done something about it. It's not to do with Frank or the system or whatever. Some bits of it are just player effort, I think, went down. Um, now, that's a thing, player power, that gets managers sacked, which is, you know, some, not something that I want to happen because we've had some good managers down the years at Chelsea that have been let go um, because of things that are similar. You know, Conte's a good manager. Carlo Ancelotti was a good manager. You know, we've had these good managers that have gone and they've gone on to do great things elsewhere as well. So the only the only problem I have, and again, the transition from Lampard to Tuchel is Tuchel getting the best out of these players, which is which is really good to see. But getting the best out of these players for now, what I really don't want to see is 
us get the best out of the players now and then all of a sudden just it massively drops off again you know and and the the second that these players are bored with Thomas Tuchel's style or something ain't going right we just go oh right we're going to throw our toys out of the pram and and that'll be it and that's what I don't want to see it's happening more and more in football but I just I mean obviously the transition you've got to get the best out of the players and Thomas Tuchel is doing that um it sits it suits the system better it maybe suits the league a little bit better but I, I, what I just don't like is, again, if you want to change your manager, that's fine. But it's the unnecessary hate on Frank Lampard that I'm just not a fan of. Because without Frank, we'd be in a very different position to what we are now, um, especially in terms of youth players and, and just players in general. You know, if Frank said, oh, I have a project at Chelsea and I really want it to work, you know, we wouldn't have Kai Havertz. We wouldn't have Hakim Ziyech, Thiago Silva, Timo Werner. We wouldn't have those people without Frank Lampard, even if it's only the smallest of cases. Um, so yeah, no, look, I, I really like Frank and the transition has been good. I'm happy to see us winning games, but we still need to put the ball in the back of the net. That's still the main thing. And, and I think if we had done that more under Frank, then maybe that paper's over the cracks for a little bit longer, but the goals dried up and the goals went in the other end. I mean, it was, a, it was a, just a matter of time before certain players were going to get what they wanted, which was a new manager. And so for this weekend, what are your thoughts like? What are you thinking for this West Brom game? Obviously, West Brom, not a great team. We should be able to win this game quite handedly if we can put the ball in the back of the net, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, we should be able to win the first one quite comfortably as well, but we didn't. We went 3-0 down at halftime. Um, yeah, we should be, be able, we should be able to blow them out of the water. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. But the only difference is, is they haven't had a lot of players that have been on international duty. Well, we have. Um so for me, again, I'm not, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be annoyed if we just get this constant, you know, passy passy football, play it around the back, do what we need to do, and just get the job done. I'm not going to be annoyed by that. Um, but there is a lot, there is a lot of good teams that are behind us, and now we are in fourth in our own right. Nobody's got game in hands over us or whatever. You know, we are still in the top four. It's in our hands now. We just need to play better football. If we can do that, then we're going to be absolutely fine. Um, and again, scoring goals is a big part of that. Maybe Tammy Abraham, because he hasn't been involved you know, in international duty, maybe he has a really good game, comes back up and it's brilliant. But um, yeah, only time will tell really. But I, I, as long as we get the three points, I don't care, honestly. <laughs> and, and just one more thing before we wrap up. I do want to mention it as... Um, this basically kind of pertains to what we're talking about here in this like media aspect. Um, just rest in peace, the clod of AFTV. We didn't mention it earlier in the episode, but just such a sad loss. Um, mm. And Craig, oh, you did make a video on it uh, as well. He just a great person. I mean, any you know words you want to have, just mention it on the mm. podcast real quick. Yeah, no, I mean, Claude was awesome. Um, I, I met him on a on a handful of occasions, and I did a, a fair bit of work with him. Um, He's just a really nice guy. And there is unfortunately a lot of people that want to see, um, don't want to see that. They want to see these controversial, you know, arguments backwards and forwards and the, and these things. And again, I understand, you know, a little bit of spicing up of your life and whatever, but you know, these are real people as well. And Claude is what is just a perfect example of just a really classy guy that really just cares about his football um, and cares about his life as well. Cause you know, he wants a good quality of life and part of you know, being a massive Arsenal fan that he is, um, you know, it was going and watching Arsenal and going and supporting his team and doing Arsenal fan TV and whatever. And he just tried to do it to the best of his ability every week. And 
I mean, he was 58, so he'd have been about 49, I think, when Arsenal Fan TV started. Mm. You know, I'm 23 now. I'm less than half his age, and I already know what's going on with the game and because I've grown up in this world. But Claude probably didn't because he didn't grow up in, grow up in this environment. And uh, he's done incredibly well. Um, he, he's left a very lasting legacy in terms of me and also many fan channels as well. Um but you know, Claude puts himself put himself out there and and made content and everything, and obviously it didn't end in the way that we wanted it to. But uh, you know, Claude, Claude's an absolute G, and uh, yeah, he's a big big loss. Whether you found him funny as memes or really liked listening to his footballing opinion or, or whatever, he was an awesome guy. And uh, yeah, I just hope he's uh, I hope he's going to rest happily forever now. So uh, yeah, a real loss, but what a really genuine fun guy Claude was. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very it's very sad, and especially um, one of our best friends is an Arsenal fan. So just to you know talk with him about Arsenal fan TV, even we watch it as Chelsea fans every every weekend just to watch them talk about the game and watch him talk about the game specifically. Um, I mean, you know, I wish there was more we were able to witness this season because of uh, COVID. You know, we weren't able to get those live reactions um, after the Arsenal game, so that was just mm. sad, and I wish we could have seen that. Um, but yeah, it's just just rest in peace, and we we really wanted to mention it, and especially mention it around you, because um, you know you were able to to kind of have a first hand witness with him and uh, be able to talk about it. So we'll wrap this one up. Yeah. Craigo, thank you so much for joining us. Go subscribe to him on YouTube, follow him on TikTok, Craigo twenty eight, um, and then the Craigo twenty eight on Twitter. Go follow Talking Blues on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod and uh, rate us five stars, subscribe. And I really want to. I, I think this would be great to wrap this episode. Uh, in a way that we only know is best. Um, and that's going to be, we'll see you next time. And it's time to go. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.